Blog Talk Radio. again exploring another way of connecting to the show or actually um, continuing to explore this to to get our guests connected from overseas and so I am going to give him just a little bit of time to connect before I give an introduction. Um, Today um, we are um, really entering into this anniversary month is what this is for this show because at the end of this month, and I always forget the exact date, um, we reach the five-year point for this show, five years on Blog Talk Radio. And I have to say that I am very grateful for the community that has come to this show, especially the wonderful guests and all the listeners that are out there that I know are of many spiritual paths. And that's one of the reasons that I love Blog Talk Radio, because I feel that we are called to come to talk together from different viewpoints. We are not all called to agree 100% on everything. We are here to share our vision of what we see as our personal truths, and it does look like our guest is on the line. I asked him to wait there for just a second, while, and I, I'm not sure our connection experiment actually worked in the way we had hoped, but I do see um, our guest on the line, and I'm going to very quickly, um, actually, you know what, I'm just going to bring him on, since we're doing this a little bit spontaneously today, and so I will introduce him as we go, because um, I believe on the line with us right now is Steve Anil Noble, who is returning to the show to talk today about shifts in consciousness. So we'll do a dynamic introduction, see if I can get him connected here. Hello, is this Steve? Hello, Susan. <laughs> Hello. Hi. I I was talking to the audience about how we are exploring ever new ways of connecting and and it it you know sometimes they they go the way we expect and sometimes in other ways so so isn't that yeah. symbolic of the world that's true that's true well i mean whichever way we get to speak is fine with me 
<laughs> well, I am delighted you're here. And I actually, as I was saying to the audience, I haven't had a chance yet to formally reintroduce you, so we'll just kind of go with it in a spontaneous way today. Mm. Um, and <laughs> and what yeah. I do want people to know is um, we are going to continue to explore your wonderful book that is still quite a new release, Personal Transitions Beyond the Comfortable into the Real. And I know yeah. many people out there are familiar with alternatives in London, and you have such a story of how you were working there and then how you came into a space of transition. And um, But you certainly held um, quite a, a world-shifting role at that center for quite a while. And now mm. you're in a new space doing doing new things after your own transition, and today we're going to talk about transitions. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's very exciting to be here and talking to you and all your all your audience. So, uh, yeah, lots to share, I think. Um, well, I guess I could say a little bit about my transition. Um, yes, yes. <clears throat> for those who don't know about it. So <clears throat> I spent um, the last 20 years really exploring spirituality and uh, uh, um in that time, I met my partner, who I thought was my life partner. We shared so much together. We met magically. We both had a set similar value sets. We're both interested in spirituality and exploring and developing. I became a director of alternatives in 2000. I stayed there for 13 years as a director. Mm -hmm. um, it was the most marvelous organization to work for. I met many wonderful people. Um, one of the great things about working there was you can go and have tea with Eckhart Tolle or Neil mm -hmm. Donald Walsh or meet Marianne Williamson or Byron Katie and you know all these people that I always oh, yeah. uh, that many people really love and adore and I get to I got to meet them in person and, and see how they are so it was a great experience of just being kind of dipped in a lot of spiritual ideas and inspiration for many years but then in t 2010 a transition started and I felt my my current life however wonderful it was in all ways everything was great great home great relationship great job um didn't seem to fit there was something niggling at me and i couldn't quite work it out so i tried to, all kinds of things you know re um moving what do you call it rescheduling my work on other people reallocating my work getting a coach doing squash um <clears throat> sports <laughs> Going, trying yeah. out n new things. I tried out f uh, fencing. I became a fencing coach as well. But still, the um, the sense of unease, or there's something more, or I don't know what it is. But, I, but and eventually, it started to turn into kind of frustration in the organisation. I I started to feel, oh, not another inspirational talk. You know, I don't know if I can take another one. It became almost like that, and. I realized that I needed to I needed to make a move. Um, life was pulling me somewhere else. So I resigned from alternatives. I, we actually separated, my partner and I, and we, we left our home that we adored. And so I went into this huge transitional space of, like, where, where am I going? What am I doing? You know, everything that was my old anchors have gone. And so that sent me on a five-year transition, very difficult, when I wrote the book, Personal Transitions. And on the other side, I kind of, um, when I wrote the book, I said the final stage of a transition is almost like a renewal or re rebooting of your s psyche or a kind of awakening. <clears throat> and now I'm on the other side. I have a lot more to share about what I see is happening in the world from a spiritual perspective 
you know, whereas for the last five years, I was really not able to, I was really just coping with my own uh, shift. But now I feel, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about, I guess. Yes, yes. Well, I feel that one of the things that you're able to do is you're able to connect the microcosm, what seems like the microcosm of personal transition, to the macrocosm of global transition and global shift. And yeah. I I wonder if you could speak to that. And, and actually, I'll even put a little context on this, just, um, just a reminder that I am in Oregon, and in yeah. Oregon right now, um, we are still... Um, you know, adjusting and navigating through the news of the shooting that was oh, um, yes. to the south of Portland, and you know oh, what yeah. that what that all means. And then, you know, I would say the entire, well, I think well beyond our country. You know, people are really reflecting right now on on how to how to view these situations that keep recurring and so it's very it's very real it's still quite raw here Mm. in oregon i mean to the point that that you know i have a college student in my family not at that school but we certainly talked Mm. about you know how how that feels and and um you know it's very real to me as a parent and you know we're all feeling it so so Mm. i guess to make a, a a the question even longer is as we enter into this this discussion of global transition and personal you know how how do we bridge um what feels like you know a lot of turmoil really i mean these these yeah. things are very tumultuous so so yes, yes. please speak to that <clears throat> well of course i've heard i've read and saw on the news about that shooting it's it's too tragic and in England, we don't. I suppose we don't have the same experiences in America with guns, and so um, of course our hearts go out to. It's a tragic thing. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I personally believe that um, a country with less guns is a safer country. But I know a lot of people in America disagree with that. But um, that's my own p- p- personal. And yeah. even I, I'm quite happy that our, that our police force in Britain are not that armed. I mean, it's, they're slightly starting to move that way. But I actually feel safer knowing that the police are not carrying machine guns or something yes. in the streets. Yes. You know, pers- that's my personal view. But looking at the <clears throat> global transition, I've really looked at this very hard for many years. And um, what I think is, and of course, this is it's a very complex thing. And so I don't think anyone on the planet really has a complete picture. So what I've, what, what all I've got is the pieces of the jigsaw that I've pieced together and what I think is the best version of the truth that I can find. But, of course, it, it moves every day as we kind of find out more. And um, I'm, I'm very interested in what a lot of other spiritual teachers are saying. And But also, when I looked in the past and saw all the kind of prophecies um, around from books of Re- Revelations to the Mayan calendar, mm-hmm. the Hopi um, prophecies, Egyptian prophecies, there's prophecies from Bulgaria, there's prophecies from Nostradamus, all these people. And they did seem to be pointing... And also in the, in the Hindu tradition, Kali Yuga, it, it points to the time of, um, well, Kali Yuga is a time of great spiritual darkness on the planet. Yeah. And many people believe, including myself, that we are in this time of great spiritual darkness, um, yeah. which is kind of ending, because uh, after, after this spiritual darkness comes a time of great spiritual light, 
And so on the yes. planet, what we see is this great interplay. And America is, really holds this as well, I, I think, when I've been to America, this mm-hmm. interplay of light and dark. You have the kind of the dark things that happen, like the shooting in Oregon. And you have a tremendous amount of spiritual teachers there holding a great light in America. And, of course, yeah. this is true elsewhere. But I think across the planet, there's this kind of great duality of light and dark. And we're in a time where that duality is getting more and more extreme. So the kind of darkness seems more dark, and the light, when we, when we sit with it and meet it, seems bright. Um, that, this time of, of uh, almost you could say a conflict between the light and dark almost, it seems like that. Yeah. You know, there are, I believe, many spiritual teachers coming in the planet now holding a tremendous vibration of light, a great wisdom. And there are many people on the planet who hold another agenda of actually what I would say is anti-evolutionary um, <clears throat> agenda, which is like, well, actually, we we quite like uh, the frequencies on the planet being one of greed, control, um, what violence, and and so on. And <clears throat> anybody who's um, spiritual with spiritual values like myself would find that very difficult to understand or even believe. It took me a long time to really get that there there could be people with that kind of agenda, you know. And uh, I've, a lot of spiritual teachers over the years have, have talked about it. Alice Bailey was one of the first teachers I read, uh, who was a channel in the 1920s, a British channel, one of the first channels really around, I think, in the modern era. And she talked, or the, the Tibetan master talked through her, saying there's a, a light lodge that holding the evolution of the planet, and on the planet is also a dark lodge who's holding anti-evolutionary tendencies. And this is playing out now. We see in the situations around the world, I mean, there's the tragedy in Oregon, but if you look in Syria, for example, the country's being ripped to pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the yeah. terrorist organization, IS, or ISIL, that are on the march, you know, and, and now being confronted by Russia. So all these things have been long predicted in lots of predictions. Um, but one of the, on the good news side, I would say that... Um, what a lot of spiritual teachers are saying also, and what I also believe and experience, is the timeline of the planet has shifted. Um, I remember one spiritual teacher telling me, when I was born in the late 50s, the timeline of this planet was towards nuclear destruction, yes. Armageddon, yes. end of the world. You know, and, and uh, you know, I guess in, I know a lot of American evangelical people were kind of really waving that one, you know, end of the yes. world, and Robert Reagan was well, a great believer still. in that. Yes. Yeah, and still, yes. they're still there, yeah. But what I see now is a lot of the prophecies that talk about destruction are, are not, no longer uh, um, coming to pass. There's a new timeline on the planet because the vibration of the planet is shifting. The light is actually, even though it doesn't look like it in the news, when you read the news, it looks very, very they report on the dark. But the light on the planet is shifting. We're now in an ascending timeline. And a lot of people talk about um, this planet being an ascending planet, and it took me a long time to actually believe that because I was looking around and seeing a very dark world. And in my own experience of transition, I was experiencing a great deal of darkness. So I didn't really think, oh, I thought, well, maybe they've got it wrong. You know, maybe we're on the planet that's not ascending. You know? <laughs> I, but, um, I do believe now Which I'm on the time? other side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. I'm on the other side. I, I totally get that, no, this is an ascending planet. The light is kind of um, not really, it's not so much a question of winning, but the kind of, the, the old agenda of um, the old agenda is on the way out. I think there's a great deal of desperation, or you could say, on anti-evolutionary forces. Um, they're trying to create lots of scenarios where great violence is kicking off. But really, I think the, the, the frequency on the planet is is rising so high that 
it can't kick off. It's being stopped. And even in those anti-evolutionary forces, some people call them the Illuminati, that have been, you know, mm -hmm. the kind of congregate around positions of power and money and energy and these things. It seems that they're falling out, and there's a general disagreement about things, which is hence why, um, you know, the thing in America, in Syria, is, is kind of, or is kind of, is kind of been neutralised. The kind of that, that terror threat is being neutralised now. So it seems to me that. Um, although now it's incredibly dark on the planet, we're still seeing some terrible things on the planet. What we're heading for is a much more enlightened age, which we are looking, you know, many decades ahead, unfortunately. Um, it's going to take time to shift um, because, these, you know, the dark is not really, if I can call it the dark, but it's not letting go very easily. It's kind of going with a fight. You know, if you corner a wounded animal, it's when it's most dangerous and um, there are forces on the planet that are still very dangerous, but even though they're kind of wounded and they're not, um, there are a lot of things that are going to change in the next um, four or five decades. Major changes, I believe, in the way this planet's run, the systems that govern the planet, the, for example, um, pol political systems, financial systems, they're all heading for massive shifts, but they're all going through crises at the moment, you know, in, in America, yeah. I think, and in Europe, uh, financial systems are going through huge crises. And crisis is a, is a sign of transition. Uh, before anything major can shift, it always goes through crisis. There's always a big crisis, usually. And so globally, we're going through a crisis. But on the other side of the crisis is um, the good news, you could say. Yes, yes. Wow, like so, much, so much to respond to there. And, you yeah, know, I have to yes. tell you, Steve, this morning, I was reflecting on something this morning that I think really kind of... Well, I'm seeing change in unusual places, where some people would say is unusual. And yeah. it, it seems to me that right now it's really easy to react very quickly to something, yeah. and that's happening in all different places, not just in one place. It, it happens everywhere. And yet if we take a step back and try to understand, okay, what are these people thinking? What timeline is it that they see? You know, if you want to use that that term mm. because when you talk about that and being in Oregon right now it's all in the news that and by the way what happened here is such a small example compared to what's going on overseas I mean I'm really glad mm. that you mentioned Syria and when we talk about the refugee crisis that's going on over there and the the outright brutality that's impacting so many people I mean you know we feel every every bit of brutality that we feel in our culture, we feel in our heart, whether it's one person intended mm. or many. But I think that one of the things that we need to realize also as Americans is that, yes, we are we are experiencing some darkness here, but, boy, there is some really, I mean, let's not lose sight of what's going on globally uh, because yeah. it's really easy to get focused on, you know, what's happening right here. And I'm not saying... That isn't important, you know, as a mother and as people, as all of us. I mean, we all should feel compassion for everything. But we also yes. need to realize, um, you know, I'll I'll quickly say another example. I live near a gun range. In fact, this really exemplifies what I'm talking about in Oregon. I hear it all the time. In fact, it was picking up over the weekend, you know, and these are not necessarily, these are all kinds of people practicing there. But I have often mm. thought as I've walked and I've heard these guns and I've thought, you know, there are parts of the world where people are hearing this daily and they're not practicing, <laughs> you know, there are really yeah. awful things going on. And it helps me 
to get a bit of perspective. But I guess yeah. here's the question. I I, I I I was wondering this morning. You know, the people who feel in America that they need their guns are seeing mm. a different timeline. They see that they need to protect themselves from, you know, you might call it the Illuminati, or from some power that, yes. And and so if you can get with it, you don't have to agree with it, or, you know, you can actually, we have to begin to see the different points of view as to why people would feel this way. And because there is darkness on the planet, now you said something, Steve, that is exactly where the world needs to go. You talked about mm. Great Britain, how everyone is starting to disarm. You know, you take this to a greater stage, like if the nuclear disarmament treaties, which now are kind of, we're going a little backwards on some of that, that mm. the whole notion of of getting towards peace is propagating trust, whereas there is mm. more trust in Great Britain. And it goes both ways. It would have to, because, and so... That's that's our goal is to get towards cultures of trust, and you know I think that that when people are really afraid, they're seeing end time scenarios which to them are very real. I grew up in that culture. I know that yeah. the the end times culture, not so much the gun culture. I did not grow up in that, but I grew up. Um, you know, they see there's some elements of truth in what they see, but it's how they respond. To it, you know, do we trust in our ability to evolve? Do we trust in God? I mean, if that's the way you need to phrase it, do we trust yeah. in heaven on earth, which actually also yes. comes from that culture? Well, if um, I suppose if you have millions of people focusing on um, a kind of Armageddon uh, um, scenario, then it's more likely to be starting to be manifested, you know, and, and happen. Um, I do think personally for America and the West, I'm not just America because also Britain was yeah. very much involved in it, but after a situation like 9-11, um, where my own personal view is that 9-11 was an orchestrated event. And, yeah. Um, yeah, And part of that, and again, I know it's a, it's a very controversial thing, but, uh, and I'm not I've trying seen, to persuade I've you. seen some evidence of it as well, and I think that a reasonable person has to at least entertain it. I mean, you yeah. have to at least look at it, because I know some very intelligent people who have looked at it closely, even surprising people who have said to me they they feel this way, you know, not typical, quote, conspiracy theorists or anything. And, and I'm not saying one way or another. I'm just saying yeah. a reasonable, because I haven't looked at it as closely as some people, and I'm not saying, but I think that it's possible. I mean, I guess yeah. I am saying that based on some of the evidence. It's possible, and it would be shocking and awful if true but it's not well, it beyond is, the realm that's, of possibility. That's the point of it. It's, it's such a, I mean, I, when I sat with that idea, because when I heard yeah. 9-11, I, I just felt intuitively that the, the actual the explanation from the governments around the world, Western governments, wasn't right. And I didn't know uh-huh. why it wasn't right, but I felt it wasn't right. And um, actually, I will tell you something that happened to me around 9-11, because I... I was having dreams of angels going to the site and, and taking the souls across, you know. And I, 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 this, this went on for a few days, and I, I was just kind of really taken by this, this, these dreams. And so I, I spoke to um, um, a friend of mine, and she said, yes, a lot of people are having that. 
Now, you try in, your, in a meditation to go to the Pentagon and tell me what happens. So I, I thought, well, that's a very strange thing. You know, the plane hit the Pentagon. But I went to the Pentagon in meditation. It almost felt there was an invisible force field around the Pentagon that I couldn't enter. And so I called my friend and said, this is what happened. She said, yes, that's exactly what happened to me. And so I thought, well, that's very odd. Why would there be an invisible force field around the Pentagon? So I started looking at the, the, the whole thing. And there's a lot of people from engineers and um, scientists that have come up with some extraordinary evidence that actually um, what we think happened may not have happened. But the trouble with it is that if we start to think something else happened, we have to completely turn our minds upside down and inside out, go, well, yeah. What, yeah. who would and why would it? But whether we, whether we believe it was orchestrated or not, I personally believe. I think the 9-11 was an opportunity. Um, yes, it was a great disaster. and A lot of people got killed. But it was also a great opportunity to do something different. You know, America, I think, had a great amount of empathy around the world. You know, people really yeah. felt for America. Yeah. And certainly in Britain, we felt a lot for what happened there. And so, but the response was, predictably maybe, to go to war, you know. And I thought yeah. it was just one of those big moments that we could have done something else and not done that. And so that war has, has had a knock-on domino effect that's affected millions and millions of people, you know, innocent people, really. It had nothing to do with any of that. And so it's, it's like um, that, that decision must have been made out of fear, or some other, or money. you know, reason to do it. <laughs> or mon yes, money, I, I fear, hate to say it, but things. there's, well, that, you know, there's a lot of money in the war machine and the fear machine. Yes. And I know we, you know, it's so hard sometimes for people to talk about these things. I know this. And I know there are probably some of my listeners who are shocked that I'm even saying some of this. But you know what? Yeah. We need to really honestly look at it, and we need to look at the history of our country. I mean, our country and the world. I mean, there there's a lot of evidence, I mean, around other historical events that aren't quite the way that, that we were taught. And and this isn't a conspiracy. It's about it's about power and what power does to people. And yeah. it's about you know, and, and we need to really honest honestly look at, you know, what is the real history and not just that, where can we go? Because we can't get stuck in this anymore and there is so much yeah. fear. There is so much fear and it's propagated and I refuse to participate in the fear. Um, I Me mean, too. more and more. It's hard. Sometimes we fall prey. I mean, why do I have this show? I mean, we don't do this perfectly. I become afraid at times. Yes. But when I'm conscious, I choose to 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 get beyond it into trust. Yes. Well, I think the planet, you know, since 9-11, it was a real big shift for the planet that went into the whole war overdrive, war on terrorism. But the darkness kind of was, was going, we're, we're kind of a bit worried that we're losing control and we want, to make, yeah. we want to stamp our control down and remove some civil liberties and just go out and, and do what we're doing. But actually, I do think that, um, <clears throat> that it's partly because the light on the planet is, <clears throat> is in the ascendance. And those forces did feel, well, we can't lose our grip on all these control mechanisms like money and energy. You know, for example, uh, in energy and oil, which is very connected to the American economy, there's a lot of t technology around the world that's been developed that's been suppressed 
free energy yeah. devices that oh, I know yeah. sci- I've met yeah. scientists who've, who've developed this. And because of, and, and they say, well, there's a huge suppression of this technology, which would actually free the world up um, because of the billions of dollars and pounds invested in oil. It's not just America. Britain's there as well. We've, we've also got, got that. And so... Um, these shifts are waiting to happen in terms of technology, in terms of politics, in terms of uh, finance, and in terms of the way we, I think it had to get to so ridiculous. This is why I think we've gone, you know, the war in, in Syria and ISIS and all this. Yeah. It has to get yeah. so bad that people look at it and go, you know what, this is so ridiculous. Why are we doing this? It's almost like this, we can't do this anymore because um, the British Prime Minister was saying, uh, there was a, a guy, a Labour leader was elected, Jeremy Corbyn, which I think is a great news, and he said he would refuse to press the nuclear button. He would never, under any circumstances, press it. But the British Prime Minister said, well, of course he would. And uh, <laughs> this has created a great debate in England about, um, well, you know, we, we, uh, most sane That's people realise that... Yes, that weapons of mass destruction are horrendous, but of course yeah. it's how we dismantle them around the world, isn't it? You know, that's the that's the that's the key, really, how we do it. And the world was going in the right direction with all those salt treaties, but now it's kind of back, gone back yeah, into fear and say. you know yes. war yes. and all that. But yes. I, I, I still affirm that the, it's all right, and even though the news does look very dark, we are in Kaliuga. The light, you know, that they say the dawn is darkest before the light, and I've yeah. personally been through a great personal darkness and the light reignited in my own life and i think for the world when i look at it i think there's great uh, reasons for hope there's a great undercurrent of new things coming through new ways of thinking there's millions of people on the planet who do not agree with politicians who are moving towards sustainability towards different ways of living who are actually talking about um shifting the economic system like charles Charles Eisenstein, one of your own um, young up-and-coming authors, brilliant author, uh-huh. uh, author of Sacred Economics, talking about, you know, yes, you can have capitalism, it's, but, but with heart and with real, you know, genuine concern for people, not with these kind of agendas for, you know, elbowing everyone out the way and just making a load of money. This 1%, you know, this idea of the um, Occupy Love, 1% dominating the 99%, all that has to end. But I think it has to get so ridiculous that people see it and go, you know what, we can't have $21 trillion stuffed in tax havens, for example, where people are talking about austerity. Certainly in Europe, I don't know if they're doing it in America, but in Europe all they're talking about is austerity. And there's masses of money floating around, but it's all in the hands of a very small number of people. Oh, well, that's certainly true here. And, and well, it's, it's not true, so yeah. much – well, we don't talk about it in the same – I know what's going on over there, that that term austerity is used, and it tends not to be used here. But there certainly yeah. are people in power in Congress who, you know, they don't want to help. Um, they want to cut Social Security and things that would help the disadvantage. They're cutting school lunch program. They're cutting, you know, there's a lack of caring. And there's a huge polarization here in the U.S. It's becoming really bad. It's getting to, to the point um, where in a lot of major cities, middle class and below can't afford to live anymore because yeah. they've become, um, you know, all even places that were considered, you know, places where there were there was affordable housing they're tearing down those buildings or just raising like doubling tripling you know making the rents higher that's happening here in um in portland it's It's happening across the west i think yeah 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 Mm -hmm. and that's not good news for people you know um for me abundance and any any system that believes in true abundance could never 
believe that if one a small number of people benefit hugely, it has to be at the detriment of another large yeah. number of people. That's not abundance at all. And I think that there's enough resources and abundance in the world so that you know people in America and in England can lead a fairly abundant life. But I think there's horrendous uh, greed going on underneath yeah. the surface that's been hidden. I used to work in banking, and I used to see loads uh -huh. of money, and you know, and I um, and the kind of things that the banks used to do. They're, they're kind of maybe a little bit smarter now, maybe, but they used to just it just only was about money and greed and, you know, shareholders and profits. It's, there was no question of values or ethics, I don't think, not when I was there, well, not what I saw. And that, that when I was in the banking system, it led to the third world debt of billions, you know, and that was a deliberate yeah. thing, I think, lending huge amounts of money to countries that couldn't afford it for projects that were not necessary. You know, you don't need um, some of the things that they've been investing in. And, you know, now the poor people are, are, are kind of struggling to pay it all back. So, I mean, that's a whole subject, but yeah, all those systems yeah. of control and greed are becoming more and more visible. And I think as the light ascends on the planet, the darkness can't hide, which is great news. So in England, um, yeah. you have some very dark things. For example, paedophile rings in Westminster. Our own Houses of Parliament are being becoming visible, and people are pointing, going, an ex-prime minister is being accused of being a paedophile and an ex-home home, oh, um, yes, yes. home office minister. And all this is suddenly coming up. Shocking. And, you know, uh, there was a, a case called the Jimmy, Jimmy Savile case, and that released a lot of other darkness. Suddenly people are seeing a lot of people coming forward and speaking about things which are always hidden and the police never yes. wanted to get involved with, you know, maybe because it was powerful people. So the darkness, I don't think, can't hide these things. And, the, and people are kind of shouting and waving their arms in the street Certainly on social media, I see that people are not putting up with what they used to put up with, you know, or, or they're not trusting people in authority as they used to. They're kind of demanding change. And I think that's going to build to a point where the old systems um, will have to change. You know, I think we're not even reached that point yet because capitalism is very good at reinventing itself. But to reinvent itself, to take, it, to, 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 to take care of everyone in the country, and not just to think about America or England, but what about the global community? What about the world? This is where we're heading. And it's, you know, a lot of teachers have come and spoke about this time. You know, astrologers talk about um, Pisces moving to Aquarius, and there are certainly signs of the age of Aquarius kicking off. You know, the Internet is a very Aquarian thing. Solar power is very Aquarian whereas the old age of Pisces was all about the guru and power in the hands of a small number of people. Those systems are breaking down now. You know, very, even yeah. though the Pope might be saying some great things, there's not, you know, a lot of people are still questioning, you know, well, the Pope says wonderful things, but actually um, the Vatican has still invested half a billion dollars in America alone. And so it's one thing to say these things, but another thing, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, it's not just about... Yeah well, capitalism should change its ways. What about the Vatican? Those vast resources. So I think yeah. the Pope, you know, I hear him saying good things, but I've yet to see him actually do what he's talking about. And that's, um, I did notice that he refused to meet the Dalai Lama recently, which is very telling as well. So there are all these kind of agendas behind the scenes of, of powerful people that may say the right things, but still they're in systems which are, I would say, dark. I, I think the, the Vatican is a, is a dark system because it's old, and out of touch with people, as is a lot of religion, really. Um, my feeling about religion is it's, it's a spiritual message which has been warped and suppressed and shifted with politi yeah. political aims and money.
you know, the church has huge amounts of money and gets hugely involved in politics. So, so I can't really feel aligned to any religion personally. And I've got a lot of Buddhist friends, and and I do believe in the Christian message, but I don't believe in the church. So, I hope that's yeah. not too too. Uh, well, no, um, that's not, you know, that's not that unusual. I mean, I think many people, even in the United States, which which has a lot of very conservative um, people in, in various religions, what I tend to see, and I am speaking, I mean, I am an evangelical minister's granddaughter, and yet right. I would call myself as spiritual and not religious. I am a believer in unconditional love and omnipresent love and miracles that really are around us if we open to synchronicity. So I and I yeah. had my own very dramatic, very very um let's just say rough transition some years ago to get to this point. Yeah. But I mean I wouldn't be here if not for that. But for another day but I do very much relate to your discussions of that. But what I what I want to say here is, um, first of all, certainly in the United States, um, mm. organized religion is in politics. I mean, conservative yeah. religion is very much influencing um, the Republican Party right now and its its policies. I mean, very much so. At the same time, another thing I've observed, and because I'm very connected to people of different beliefs because of where I come from, is, and I have gentle conversations with them. In fact, I may even start bringing some people on this show who aren't exactly the choir, because what I'm seeing, I mean, what is the choir, really? That's another question, but there is not one. But I'm starting to see within these institutions change. And so in a way, I see, you know, with the Pope, I mean, you're right. I mean, overall, it still hasn't really acted on some of these things. And yet I see some positive movement, you know, whether, I mean, and that's what I see even within conservative religion here. I see more and more Mm. people, for example, questioning hell. That was what led me to have issues. I mean, they're really starting, and there are voices within their movement starting to question this, you know, more more directly. And that's really important because to believe in hell and to believe that, that you could depersonalize so, someone so much to believe they needed to go to hell, or even yourself, mm. I mean, that that's a very awful um, thing is to have to embrace yeah. that. And it leads to things in society which depersonalize other people and, and can really be hurtful. Um, in other cultures, demonization can lead to the worst kind of behavior. I mean, that's kind of what's happening in places like, like Syria, where you demonize other people literally. So, so anyway, I'm yeah. seeing some shifts in people that's questioning, good. and that to me is good. And that's the shift. That's the shift. And I wouldn't be here at all if not for questioning myself. Well, I did speak um, to a guy who researched the original Aramaic uh, message of Jesus, you know, Uh because Jesus spoke Aramaic. And uh, I was very interested in speaking to him. I actually interviewed him, and I asked him when I was interviewing him, can you just tell me, um, because everything is in language, you know, the original language spoken by Jesus is not Latin or Greek or English, you know, so how did these things get translated? So I asked him, is there a word in Aramaic for hell? He said, absolutely not. There's no concept of it. In, in So in Jesus' time, if the language has no concept of hell, 
he would have no concept of hell. And I asked him about sin, and he said, well, in in Aramaic, the the closest word to sin is mistake that can be rectified. So so in language, I think it all got shifted as it went through Latin and Greek, because Greek had the kind of Zeus throwing thunderbolts and, you know, doing all kinds of things, raping mortals. So all of that language got shifted, and all these different ideas came in. So when it got to America and England... um, the whole message of Jesus, I think, has got distorted. The core of it, as you mentioned, is love. And yeah. it's good that that's what I really want to speak about because what's happening on the planet really is a shift in vibration. And the shift I see yeah. in vibration is one from the lower, I think in terms of lower vibrations, I see things like guilt, shame, rage, uh, yeah. fear, these yeah. things. And um, if you're vibrating at that, at, at those things, if you're getting grabbing your gun, thinking that you know the hillbillies are going to come and shoot you any minute or something, then things like miracles and synchronicity is not possible for you because you're not in the right vibrational zone. You have to shift out of that, shifting out of that into things like love, trust, and beauty. And these these vibrations are very different. And when we shift into these vibrations, the world looks different. You know, um, if I think that I'm walking down the street and any minute there's a terrorist who's going to blow me up or shoot me, then I'm looking at the world in a certain way and be very defensive. And I might even react and speak in a certain way that might even provoke something. But if I'm walking down the road, it's a practice I actually do. And in the morning, I think, today I wonder how many people I'm going to see who are really joyful or happy. And I'm looking for them. And, of course, if I'm looking for the joy in the world, I can't really notice. Of course, there are people who are upset and miserable, but I'm actually looking as a deliberate practice for the joy. And it's not to negate people's suffering, because I have a, tremendous, I have a lot of empathy for suffering, but it's also we need to open up to higher frequencies, because in that zone, miracles are very possible. And synchronicity, I mean, I've experienced lots of synchronicity. And I know when I'm in that zone of total awe and wonder and feeling connected to a higher force in the universe, because um, one of the great things that brings fear is disconnection from the divine. And so if we don't have any sense of anything higher than our own egos, then we'll feel we're alone in a world where we need to defend ourselves against people who are bigger, stronger, smarter, or trying to elbow us out of the way in the marketplace, whatever. And there's no sense of community or connection or, or generosity in any of that. So in, I'm doing a lot of workshops in England at the moment, and I actually, I'm actually coming to America next year oh. in Oregon. Actually, I, just, I just remembered, yes, I'm going really? to Mount Shasta. Yes, I'm coming oh, to Mount Shasta wonderful. in September. Yeah, I should, I'll drop you a line. Here, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, is it very far from you? My, it's about six hours from here. It's just across the border into California, um, but very oh. close to Oregon. You're within like an hour of um, Ashland. Oh. You know, I mean, you're really close. Oh, right. So, so well, yeah, uh, I mean, I've certainly been to Mount... I've had actually rather magical experiences on Mount Shasta, so I totally... Oh. Uh, that's wonderful that you're coming. Have you been to Mount yeah. Shasta, Steve? Sorry, second. Have you been there uh, before? My first, it's my, no, it's my first visit. I, oh, I mean, I visit lots of it. sacred sites, but I've never... Yes. I'm, I'm going to Glastonbury in two days' time. Um, I'm often in Avebury. These are sites in kind of Europe, but I've never... Yes, yes. Um, I think I've been to the place like the Grand Canyon, which is beautiful, but I don't know if it's a particularly sacred site. But I've been to Sedona in America, which was wonderful. And... Uh, uh, but I'm looking forward to because they say it's the home of um, Archangel Michael, and there's also mm-hmm. a city of light underneath it. There's all these kind of ideas and stories I'm hearing. So 
I, I think it's a, an amazing centre of light. So I'm really curious about it. I mean, that oh, for, yeah. for your listeners, if they if they want to shift their vibration. Um, Go to these places. Um, there, there are yeah. probably even cathedrals or um, forests like uh, Yosemite. I, I remember going there. Beautiful place. That you, your vibration just shifts. And uh, practicing generosity shifts vibration. Practicing yeah. looking out for joy shifts vibration. I think getting, like, opening the heart, doing even like mantras or prayer or affirmation shifts um, shifts our core vibration. It's a practice. Getting out of fear, switching off the TV. You know, not listening to the worst things that are going on in the world. Have empathy for people, but do what you can in your neighborhood. Be generous, be caring, be loving. Practice love. Love connects us to a different frequency, which is being anchored on the planet now. There are lots of groups, and I'm connected to two or three of them, that are consciously working to anchor light grids on the planet of a very different frequency. Of Some people call them Christ grids. And um, if you're connected to that, you're kind of disconnecting from the old matrix, which is an energy matrix of fear and control. Yeah. And the big shift going on now, I think, is this shift away from the old um, 3D matrix, which is a lot of fear around survival and, you know, and all of those kind of things, into um, love and trust and connection to the universe and connection to the divine force, which is really there to, when we're connected to that, anything really is possible. You know, we are in a different world then. We see a different world. We experience a different world. We meet different people in that vibration. And, um, you know, it, I mean, it's truly a blessing if you have a um, partner that you're, you know, that you're with in that vibration that you share with. Because it's very difficult if you're with someone who's in a different vibration. Now, this is the cause of a lot of marriages uh, or, yeah. or partnerships splitting. If one person's very spiritual, connecting to these light grids, the other one's very fearful. That's a recipe for uh, eventually a, uh, either a tremendous misery in a marriage or or uh, a splitting of the ways, which is very painful for if there's children involved. That's very that's what happened to me in my mar first marriage. Um, my f first wife um, could not accept um, spirituality. Uh, said I'm not the man she married, which is probably true. Actually, I did change, but yeah. she never did change. Yeah. And so I still we're actually friends now and. Of course, we have two children and two grandchildren, so we have a, a great interest in seeing that they're, they're safe, happy, loved, and thriving in the world, which is, is karmic service, really. Every parent, really, that's what we're here for. But really, so it's really embracing this love frequency. There are many ways of doing it. It doesn't matter which tradi tradition you use. Sufi dancing is as good as, um, you know, silent retreats in the desert is as good as shamanic journeying is as good as... Uh, I think true Christianity, if you can find what I think is true, and there are groups that I think practice true Christianity where they're really in the heart and soul and the true message of Christ, not the kind of money, greed, and politics and evangel evangelizing, all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. that, that, I know that's a bit controversial, but um, I think if you look around, I have found some marvelous people in Britain uh, who, who really live the message of Christ. And when I sit with them, you know, they have no judgments about I'm – you know, I, I resonate with them. We, we can talk on the same wavelength, even though I'm not in the same tradition. It's, that's when you know you're in that vibe. You're not judging anybody else for having a different faith. You know, you can meet somebody who's a Muslim, and if they're in the love vibe, you'll know it, and you'll totally resonate with them. Yes. You know. Yes. That's, I, my, I that's my experience, actually. Yes, and I've had a similar... I mean, truthfully, Steve, if not for people like that, I wouldn't be here because, to me, they really built a bridge for me. I mean, yeah. I was stuck in Kansas of all places, and 
Kansas, and, uh, Dorothy. <laughs> he was for over ten years. And oh. um and I managed to find resources of light or actually they found me during my very dramatic yeah. awakening. I was very resistant at first. I was I mean, all kinds of things happened, but if not for those voices, which I very much value. And and these are people, there are people within the Christian church, for example, who the even somewhat very conservative who are Christian universalists, meaning they simply do not believe every you know anybody's going to hell. They don't believe, but they embrace the Good. message. So, and they're in the U.S. So, um, you know, they're everywhere. So, there are these enlightened voices, and it's coming out. It comes out in doubt too, Steve. You know, there are people who are really yeah. having sincere, honest doubts about the fear-based constructs, and and that'll keep pulling at their hearts. I mean, that's the shift. Don't you feel that that's the change in vibration, how it's helping people, drawing it, drawing them to an awakening, whether smooth or rough, drawing them in to that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, in my book, I talk about the three paths of awakening, which is either smooth, rough, or super rough. Uh-huh. And each path can bring you to an awakening and a renewal of your life. Um, I talk about the five stages of a sh- of a shift in the book, um, uh, but the, it starts with the old life ending and it ends with a new life beginning. And there's a lot of things in between. If you can just imagine uh, the caterpillar going into the cocoon and going, I'm in the darkness and the void, now what? You know, and if you're in a smooth transition, that's all right because you're heading in a direction that you, you, with your own volition, you, you're, you're starting your business, you're doing something you want to do, however challenging. If, if it's rough or super rough, you're resisting it, and that has consequences, uh, which I talk about in the book, and ways of, of making the passage easier if you can, um, sometimes a rough passage is, is exactly what you need at a soul level. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that may be hard for some people to hear. I've sat with people who are like going through very tough times. And of course, you don't want to say, well, this is for your good, you know. But actually, I know now at the other end, it's really been for my higher good. I've gone through a really tough time. It's transformed my identity. It's transformed how I see the world. I would never talk in these terms before, even though I was very spiritual and into, in, in alternatives. Yeah. I would never talk about light and dark on the planet or, the, you know, hidden forces. And there are also these forces of light as well that I haven't really mentioned that are coming on the planet, which are a tremendous resource, which I should mention. But yes. So I, I've transformed and I've opened my eyes to a lot of things, which now I look at and go, wow, there's great hope on the planet. The planet is ascending. There are all these amazing forces that people can access and are accessing angelic races, uh, higher dimensional guides, interdimensional guides, all these, you know, channeling has just kicked off in the last 50 years on the planet as more and more forces are focusing on this planet to help the people here. And there's also um, this thing which I haven't mentioned, it Wave X, which you may have heard of. Oh, yes. Actually, we had a show talking about that. I'd be curious what, what your view of it is. Well, I read a lot on the Internet about Wave X, and I thought, well, uh-huh. I've got no idea. But when it hit, my whole body, my bones are vibrating for, like, the last 10 days. My, I wake up, and my uh-huh. whole body's like, um, <laughs> vibrating. It's been a dramatic time. This last week has been a shake-up hmm? time. Yes. It's a very shaky, and it's not going to stop. Yeah. These um, these solar winds are increasing in intensity. They can be wave upon wave, and that's also what's going to help shift the planet because the frequencies uh-huh. are quite strong. People who are sensitive will feel it. Other people might feel it later on, 
but it's actually going to have a wake-up effect on the kind of people I call star seeds, which are people who are here on the planet to wake up and help change the world. And they're, these are people that I think are not um, native to this planet. You know, and again, it's about a belief, I suppose. If you believe in reincarnation, um, lots of people have been on the reincarnational cycle in the Earth for a long period of time. But there's some people coming into the Earth that, that are quite new souls for this planet. And I think I'm probably now on now i think of myself as one of those and there are a number of signs for people uh, who are star seeds one of them is that you never felt that the earth was your home you always felt a bit like well i don't quite get how this place works you know um yeah. and so um these people are kind of and i'm meeting lots of them you know and they all have the same kind of they all say the same kind of thing about i just don't get this place is my my home there's a, i have a sense of urgency about doing something i've got no idea what it is and it's almost like people are they're very spiritual souls that fall asleep in this world and then they have there's a kind of waking up effect and um once they wake up, a bit like the film The Matrix, Neo wakes up after a very difficult, you know, he's woken up out of The Matrix. I mean, metaphorically, it's quite true. You're unplugged from the old system, and you go, well, now what? You know, yeah, it's like you see the world as it is. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah and there's what, lots now? of Yeah, how do you igniting. survive? Yeah, he's no longer yeah. being fed in the same way, you know. And, yeah. and you know, I feel that a lot of a lot of us are going through, and I, I just... I wish I could keep you even longer because it's just we're we're already oh, yeah. running low on time. But oh, yes, you know, yes. as as a a person who those of us who are doing business, for example, and mm. and getting attuned to the new energy, I mean, I find that um, I'm very giving and I'm I'm reluctant to to just do things the old way. I mean that, and sometimes that can be misperceived as. You know, there has to be some capitalist angle, you know, because you, you project. We, even in the, the so-called, I don't, I use this very loosely, new age community, I cautiously yeah. use that term, um, yeah. there is a tendency to fall back to the old capitalist pattern. And yet, you know, you have to, I'm not saying you can't make a living, but I think that many of us are navigating this, it's like new ground. It's like we want to be giving, giving, giving as much as we can be and trusting. And yet, you know, we're learning how to work together in these new relationships. And, and there can be some bumps along the way. Um, yeah. And and it's it's all a learning experience for all of us. And I, I would love to – I need to get your friend um, – I wrote his name down, the, the Charles, who's, who wrote – I oh, have Eisenstein. Yes, oh, yes, yes, because this is such a Sacred big topic. And even for you, I mean, I think we could do a whole show on this, is I feel many of us are experiencing a little bit of, it, I don't want to use the word struggle, but it's, it is kind of like that because we want to do things in a better way and we're learning how, a step at a yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. as I said, the financial systems are struggling and we are going through a period of struggle. But I think in some decades ahead, that will end and, and open up, uh -huh. and there will be a kind of greater sense of abundance. But of course, we're going through the the struggle of the of the old system as it kind of rumbles and sh yeah. you know shakes. And I mean, yeah. I'm hoping that the system won't collapse. Um, I don't think it will collapse totally, uh -huh. but it might do. But I think there might. If, it, what it probably needs is a partial collapse to sh give it a shockwave to actually do something else. Um, you know, rather, not just more of the same. It needs to have more heart in it. It needs yes, to have genuine caring in it. That's it. It needs to Compassion. genuinely care for everyone. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, amen. I would say yeah. that for my yeah. own self. Yes, I mean, really, that's it. Yeah. I mean, and we have to start acting out of compassion. And, you know, I feel that trust is such an important aspect, and we need, there, there's just a whole new way of, um, yeah. you know, of coming to abundance, but together, you know. And, and I think we're starting to see this vision for the planet where, yeah. You know, there won't be lack like there. It's going to take a while. It will take miracles. I mean, I do, but but we're seeing them. I mean, we're seeing the We're seeing them. Yeah. And money so. itself is a, is an energy. You know, it's good to remind yeah. ourselves that money is an energy. And I do think. I mean, I'm doing lots of work around money and stuff in London. And uh, but I, 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 when I when I when I sat in meditation, I realized that money itself carries so much judgment and so much kind of negativity. Oh, yeah that almost that spiritual people sometimes keep it out because they don't really want that energy in in their body. So I think a lot of spiritual people shut down on money, but actually the trick is not to shut down on it, but to just to kind of cleanse it. Gratitude is a fantastic yes, cleanser for money. Be grateful, bless it. Um, there are meditation practices where you can actually cleanse the stream of money coming in your life. Imagine sort of like um, crystals cleansing it or light cleansing it. I mean, uh-huh. that's a great exercise to do. Just sit in meditation. Imagine money as a flow of a flow of water, if you like, coming to you, and cleanse it and purify it, like a like a pure water purifier. Actually, that was the yeah. image I got in my in the meditation. If it's water coming to you, you need to purify it because it's full of toxins. But you need water. The same thing's yeah. true of money. We need money, but it's full of toxins. Yes, to survive. Clear yes. out the toxins. Bless it and pass it on. Bless, blessed. You know, bless the money. Oh, I love that's that. That's why I say. I love that. Well, we're yeah. we're definitely dwindling in time on the the live oh, program, yeah. oh, so dear. I want to give great. you. This has been so wonderful. This conversation, I am so grateful <laughs> to you, Steve, for such oh, a space of gratitude. What a wonderful soul you are! Oh, and you, thank you for doing this lovely work. Oh, thank you. Now, tell, remind the audience where they can find out about your work. So, my uh, website is Steve Nobel, which is N O B E L dot com and they can find me there. If they go on SoundCloud, which is a, an audio uh, podcast platform, they can find me under Conscious Media. If they just type in on SoundCloud, Conscious Media, they'll find all my interviews. And one, The one I mentioned, the um, Jesus Aramaic message, which is a fascinating interview, and also some other stuff I've done there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being here. I, I've, it's just been a wonderful, lively conversation, and I greatly yeah. appreciate it. And, yeah. and you have a wonderful evening where you are. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. All right. Thank you. Take Bye, care. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, quick show notes, since we're just getting this calendar up to date. First of all, um, you're going to see a little bit of an easing of the schedule in October very intentionally because we're kind of getting the feel for more frequent shows, less frequent, just kind of seeing what works right now. And I think, you know, with some of the conscious work that I aim to do in the world and other things that I'm working with transitionally, um, it's going to be a little easier in October. But the next show just added this Friday, October 9th, Megan Carnarius is coming back. She's going to do part two because we only got so far on talking about Alzheimer's and other dementias. A wonderful expert she is, Megan Carnarius, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, Friday, October 9th. Go to FrontierBeyondFear.com to learn all about upcoming episodes. And also there's a way to support the program there. And I do 
really want to remind you that this is a listener-supported show. I don't do a lot of promotion. I don't have some sales package for for guests or anything like that. It is a listener-supported show, the time that I spend on it and the resources to support it. And I very much welcome that if you are so guided. So FrontierBeyondFear.com is where you need to go. Thank you so much, everyone, to the live audience who is leaving us right now. And to those of you who've been listening to the show in the podcast, you have been with us all this time across time. One of the things that Steve and I didn't manage to completely get to, which is in the show description today, is multidimensionality. And when we talk about time, and I know this is very much something he talks about, and actually he did to some degree. We talked about timelines a little bit. And, you know, time isn't what we think it is. And and we are very much present together wherever you are, whenever you are. I feel your energy here because linear time is actually an illusion. Um, and so I just want to remind you of that and to let you know that, that I really appreciate the community around this show, no matter when you are listening. So thanks again, everyone. And I may have a spontaneous solo show here and there. That's kind of how I see the vision for October, this anniversary month is that um, just to help me to fully prepare for the guests with books, not to have those too many in a row. And that kind of, it can kind of be a lot for the listeners, although you've responded well and I appreciate that. I'd like you to very thoughtfully listen and look for the books. And we'll have kind of a mix this month of um, guests coming on who are new, returning guests, and also just a few more gaps between the shows and occasional spontaneous shows where we just talk together. So thank you, everyone. Take care.
What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.